Welcome to Business Talk Sister Cock. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today's episode title is How to Be a Good Mentee. Uh, with us today, we have uh, Bob Jacart, and he's going to tell us a little bit about what he does, but we're going to intro him as somebody who has joined his dad's business at the age of 19 and just grown it by leaps and bounds and does so many different things. Never stop growing is kind of the mentality that he has. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. And especially now that I can see your smiling faces too. (laughs) (laughs) We have our our videos on for this one. (laughs) Yeah. So could you tell us what, what do you do? I really make things out of fabric. I think that's the best way to explain me. Um, I don't like to say I'm a CEO or an entrepreneur or whatever. Um, when you say I started my da- in my dad's business when I was 19 in September, it will be 50 years ago that I was 19. And it just doesn't seem like that at all. I mean, you know, your poor idea says, oh my God, there's a 68 year old man talking here. It's going to be old and boring. And <laughs> You're not old and boring at all. It's really interesting to think that because I don't feel that at all. I mean, I don't even come close to feeling that. And <laughs> and just so you know, when I'm done with this, I'm going to spend an hour with my virtual trainer to keep me in really good shape. So I feel like, I, and, and he's 30 and keeping me young and alive. So anyway, I what I discovered early on in my life was that I was in high school, I was academically strong. So I was on the university path of going to get a degree and, and I was good at math. So they were, the whole thing was, folk, my whole life was focused on me becoming an engineer. And when I got to school, it, it, it just didn't fit. And then I really, really struggled for what that was and what was, what was the mismatch. I couldn't see myself as a mechanical engineer with a lab coat on working for an auto company or something like that. It just, just didn't fit right. I don't know. I don't really still don't know what it was, but um, so my dad had this little alteration shop and sewing shop that he didn't even work full-time at because he had a full-time job. He did this as a hobby. And what I just realized when I went to work there, it was kind of calling a timeout to my life. I realized that I loved making things, but I had never been to a shop class because I was on this academic track in high school. So I never had the opportunity to do that, but I, but I just, that was me a, a thousand percent. Um, I love looking at things and figuring out how they're made and everything like that. And so that yeah. love went from learning how to, I taught myself how to make boat covers. And then I taught myself how to upholster. And I was actually pretty good at that. Um, got lots of fun stories about, you know, the, how good I got to be and, you know, won some national awards and all that mm-hmm. fun stuff. And then and then one of my boat cover customers asked me if I ever had done production work because he needed a production showing, sewing shop and I had never done production work. And um, I said, I'd like to try it. And he said, if you put as much energy into producing a lot of product for me as you did on working on my boat, then let's start something together. So we started together. And then all of a sudden I realized that I loved employing people. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I didn't see that one coming. I didn't see the fact that I could, put something together that would have an influence on families and people. Um, So all the while this is happening, I'm not getting any education through the traditional manners. I was just going for it. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm, I'm needing to learn. I'm needing to learn accounting. I'm needing to learn business manners. I'm needing, learning, needing to learn how to buy fabric and how to negotiate and um, how to sell. And I'm, 
I'm, I'm what I, I was lucky enough to realize how uneducated I was by, you know, university standards. And so I completely opened myself up to learn anything I could from anybody. Mm-hmm. And one of the lucky things for me was that I was a good upholster and boat cover maker. And we lived 40 miles north of, let's call it, I live in Michigan, but I live 40 miles north of Wisconsin's vacation land. Mm -hmm. So it would be Minnesota's Boundary Waters area or Michigan's Traverse City area. But I live really close to the area of Wisconsin, which is Milwaukee, Madison, and Northern Chicago folks. And imagine being, I think I was 21 years old and walking in to the president of one of the major insurance companies. And I know this is his third house and it's worth about $3 million. And I can't believe that anybody could have a $3 million home as a third home. I'm puzzled with that, but he picked up on my eagerness. And so I became a mentee to him. And imagine, you know, I talk about, you know, I had work boots on and blue jeans on and I'm a worker and, and, and all of a sudden I'm sitting with Al who I'm, I, I still, he's, you know, long retired and everything like that, but he's in his late eighties. And I still try to have breakfast with him once or twice a summer. Um, but imagine somebody like me come, you know, my dad worked for the city, had this little shop and I didn't have much at all. And, um, he's sitting, I'm sitting at his kitchen table and he's treating me like an equal, like mm-hmm. treat me like an equal, not talking down to me at all. And, and that was, that scar was such a positive influence on my life. And then I realized that I could ask just about, if I put myself in the right humble position I could get advice from just about anybody and so that's that's how kind of I grew and that's what our subject is but I'll go back to my growth in the business and and then um so I started making things you gotta tell us the name of your company we kind of glossed over that you gotta tell us (laughs) well you didn't even say anything about it yet (laughs) so it's Jackward Fabric Products which ended up buying Stormy Cromer which half of your audience should know who Stormy Cromer is. Yeah. Um, and, and so the story of how I got there and how I lucked out and all this, and, you know, you bounce around and from, you know, idea to challenge to back to idea again. So we started making things and then in, in that was in the eighties and it really the eighties was the time when China took all the sewing work out of the United States. Mm-hmm. So here I was with this, grand vision of becoming a sewing factory and I didn't even know that it was all leaving um I was I was Mm. too young and ambitious to know but what we ended up doing was if you can imagine I was a craftsman so made a boat cover I made a grill cover I upholstered a couch a chair a motorcycle seat all have really different dynamics and so if you're making something in production and you like making things you learn how to make them you and at the same time there's an inside scoop with the guy that sells the sewing machines because the people that sell sewing machines are in everybody else's factory. If you want to learn how to make a sleeping bag, call the sewing machine guy up that sells you the sewing machine because he sells the sewing machines to the sleeping bag guy too. So you can learn from him what sewing machines he sold the sleeping bag company. So that company and, and myself started finding odd work that China couldn't do. And, um, and so we started finding that work and it came and it went. Um, we made, we had a very large account in the early eighties 
making products for a motorcycle company. And then they made the decision to take that product to Mexico. And so we lost it. And we made dog beds for a company that got bought out by another company. And then we lost that account. And so hmm. the contract business became something that that would have almost like farming would have good years and bad years. And then this little opportunity came called Stormy Cromer, which was a 98-year-old business that I wore a hat in back in 2001 when I bought it. I wore a hat and the opportunity came that we could possibly buy it and keep it, basically keep it from, from closing completely. I'm the third owner of that business, started in 1903 and Stormy sold it to Dick in 1964. And then I bought it in 2001. And what we were able to do is put a, a lot of things that I had been training for into it. Um, a lot of things, that you, and we can, depends on how much we talk tonight, but um, we can talk about all the, the things that had, you know, had helped me grow as a person and all the things that I had learned. I put it together and with Stormy Cromer at the beginning. And then, of course, seven years into it, Gina, my oldest daughter, came back and put a lot of expertise in marketing and things like that. And that's what we're doing now. And then there's this one term that, you know, if, you, if I tell my story, and one day I was telling the story to somebody out in the retail store, like 10 feet on the other side of this wall is our retail store. And, and if it wasn't for COVID, I'd be out there looking for anybody I can to talk to. And I love that. I love when some, when, you know, somebody drove, <laughs> I, came from, I came from Minneapolis, that's four hours away. Why are you traveling through here? We came here to see your store. You know, four hours to do it. So then I love talking to them and I can, I just, it's very endearing and stuff. And I was telling the story who want somebody who wanted to know the story. And I said, you know, I, I've been so darn lucky. I mean, so many nice things have happened to me. And he said, that's not luck, that's pluck. And um, so that's a term I use that in talk <laughs> once in a while. It's, it's, it's when something good goes by you and you grab it and you're, you know, smart enough or dumb enough or whatever you want to say. But I think, a lot of people have let, left opportunities go. I mean, I could have, when our local dealer said they quit making Stormy Cromer hats, you better do something about it. I could have said, I don't know anything about making hats. I never made a hat. I never made a coat. I never made a jacket. I never made a shirt. But I kind of said, get me the number and I'll buy the company. And I went after it. And so maybe there's a little bit of that too, that um, honestly, we'll go back to you know how many years ago I started. I, I, I still can't believe how much I love being here. Um, and imagine, you know, 50 years in a business and I, I look forward to coming here and I look forward to working. We're having challenges with a printer and I was on my back about an hour ago looking at the bottom of the printer and <laughs> loving every minute of it. And um, so um, I've been really blessed to have that, um, that much love and that much passion and that much desire. And so I'm still learning. Um, I'm still a mentee. I have this magnificent man from Wyzata, Minnesota that I, a friend of a friend hooked me up with. We talk for about, a, about two hours a month and he has a list and he challenges me and he pushes me like I was 18 years old. <laughs> and, um, and I get, I, I, I do that here for my employees and I, I actually do it for anybody else. Um, that calls. In fact, yesterday I got a call from a, a guy looking for sewn products and he was from a bigger city. I won't name any names. It's not in Minnesota. So don't worry about that because Minnesota is not like that, but it was. A, and that 
those people from that city have a real reputation for being just cold and stiff and it's all business. And, and um, so I told him I couldn't help him. I, I, I wasn't interested in sewing his product, but I help him in any way to find what he needs. And he just couldn't believe that. And so we ended up with a half hour conversation and I think he's going to end up buying his own sewing machines and doing it himself. And when I told him how easy it would be for him to invest in, then he doesn't have all the disconnect of having another factory do it and all that stuff. So, um, so I'm still trying to do that as well as like mentor people. Just, I don't know, just I'm in a point where I, I still work more than eight hours a day. I don't know, maybe my average is 10 hours a day now or something like that, but it's not full of the day-to-day stuff. So I have the time to talk to people and, and, and spread the love, I guess, or whatever, spread my knowledge. I mean, think about how much experience I've had in 50 years and, um, you know, I could tell stories for, you know, through the night if easily, um, but. I know we were just talking about that. We're like, this is going to be a two episode interview. <laughs> so there, that's my whatever. My yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to backtrack here. You mentioned that you had, you reached out to this guy who's like, who was the president of this insurance company. Um, but how did you find him? How did, tell us about that? Because I think it'd be valuable for our listeners to know how they can go about finding a mentee like that. Yeah. So, mentor. You know, yeah. You, know, maybe Sorry, you know, maybe it's worth even telling a, a deeper part of that story that really how meaningful it was for me. Ironwood is a mining town, you know, Ironwood, we have iron mines. And in 1964, taconite was discovered in Northern Minnesota and Ironwood went from 16 to 8,000 in, in a decade. The Half the people went to Northern Minnesota and the other half went to the auto industry because they couldn't find a job here anymore. And Ironwood had railroad tracks and iron um, mining towns back in the 50s and 60s had a reputation for being two class towns with no middle class. So it was the miners who were poor and the upper people who were the business people. And, mm-hmm. and there was track, you know, we lived and we lived on the track tracks. I didn't know it. I didn't care or anything like that, but I went, I went to a party one time fortunate for me in high school, I wasn't wounded because I was, I was an athlete then. And so athletes got little special privileges. And I went to a party at a house and on the other side of the tracks. And I was told about a week later by that girl's uncle that, they would rather folks like me don't show up at their parties. Hmm. And so I, it wasn't negative for me. I didn't feel insulted at all. I always felt good about myself. So I didn't, I I didn't really think of that as an insult. I just thought that that was the way of the world and that's fine. If that's the way it is, I'm fine with that because I've got plenty of friends over here. So, so think of no that, skin off my nose. <laughs> yeah, it really wasn't. Honestly, I wasn't insulted or anything. I did. I would, you know, I didn't know, know any better or whatever. But then think about maybe six or seven years later. So imagine that you, you see ad commercials on TV for this insurance company. And then now you're, you get a call from the CEO of this insurance company that he found out that I made, I did a good job making boat covers. And he collected 1930s wooden Chris Crafts, those gorgeous colored boats. And so I ended up he was a collector of them. And by the time I got done with them, actually, I had done all seven of his boats, covers and interiors. And then his daughter, Amy, um, her wedding party was instead of cars with cans banging around behind them, they, they did these Chris Craft boats. And I had 
done the, the interior on him. So I was respected by him because of my trade. <laughs> and I, I've been told, and the, and the guy that, the guy, the, the guy whose sailboat I was working on, um, when he said, would you like to start making products for physical therapists? He kind of said, I love your energy. And I've had that, I've had that happen a half a dozen times. I've got quite a few stories where people say, I love your energy. I want to work with you. And I think we can, I think that's another thing that we can do as mentees is show that energy, show that enthusiasm, do the follow-ups. So what um, does that look like to follow up? Well, like Mark now, I mean, I'm put myself in the mentee, you know, in the mentee side. He, he usually um, he's retired and he's now in Florida now, but he says, get in the car. Well, next time you're driving somewhere, um, let's schedule it. So I get to sit in the car and it's just lovely conversations. Um, and it's always, it's never about him. It's always, he's focused on me, you know, developing me. And so, so then he'll go through these things. Um, in fact, here's the list. It's really funny, but the list is right here from our last conversation. And, um, and so he's, uh, we're talking about my transition out of the business right now. And so he's given me follow-up things. And so like, I want to make him proud and I want to get an A on my homework. And so that he, <laughs> because it's precious to have somebody like that in your life. And so you don't want to disappoint them. I mean, you, the worst thing you can do is, you know, make them angry or disappointed. So, um, so I, I, I make sure I do that as well. So a couple things that I'm hearing you say. So the first one you were talking about when you got this insurance agent or president of this insurance agency, he really liked what you did. So you were honorable and had integrity in how you did your job. And then he saw you as worthwhile to, to mentor. And then, but also you kind of interwoven this and everything like you were like, uh, making things for physical therapists like whoa <laughs> where, where did that come from but like I was reading this book recently and they said that people that's what uh, it, it says people who have big ambitions pursue even the smallest opportunities everywhere the more outlandish and unlikely the better <laughs> and I just think that like that's consistently what I hear you saying is just yeah. like oh this thing came yeah. up and so I did that and <laughs> yeah. um and it's all about people and and one of the things that um yeah and I, it, I have this funny expression about myself and it's like, I think they see my tail wagging all the time. Like, can I learn more? Can I learn more? Please, please, please. <laughs> you know, like a dog, right? Can I have another, can I have another treat? I, I, I try to give that. I try to be warm and accepting. And, and I know that, you know, when I'm doing it the other way, when I'm trying to mentor something, I think that for me, the most difficult block in trying to get help somebody or talk to somebody um, is when they're listening and nodding and, and they're, and they're, you know, that, that kind of natural reaction word is, I know, I know, I know, and their heads nodding and up and down. And they keep, it's like, you're supposed to be listening and you're supposed to, I can't imagine, you know, this. Hmm. And so you don't have to act like a know-it-all. I think the humbler and the, and the more open and the more you kid about yourself and the more you leave yourself open. And, and, um, you know, I've, I've done that so many times and people, you know, I like one of my mentors, I hit a certain, I, I hit a certain benchmark in the company and, and 
he he looked at we were having breakfast and he, I remember he had a pad in his hand and he put the pad down and he looked at me and he says I want you to do me a favor and and I said okay and he says look what you've done and he says I want you to do me a favor and quit from this day forward I don't want you to ever tell anybody that you didn't finish college because you're you're belittling yourself and you are doing a lot more than a lot of people who have ever finished college. And so don't do that. But I, I kind of continue to have a tendency to, to let people know that I, I think, and for me, like 69-year-old, 68-year-old owner of Stormy Cromer meeting some somebody your age, somebody in their 20s, I don't want them to be intimidated by me. Um, I want them to be relaxed. I want them to feel like an equal because that's the way I feel about them. Mm. But this dang title I have doesn't doesn't <laughs> allow that opportunity to happen right away. Mm-hmm. You know, it just doesn't. I mean, people are just immediately intimidated by the CEO and the guy that, you know, owns Stormy Cromer and all that stuff. So I work really hard at leveling that playing field so I can have a a conversation like we're two equal human beings like Al did with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's, that's really important because I, I really detest anyone thinking that I think or that they think that I'm better than they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in, in your preparation for meeting with these mentors that you have, these really cool people who have taught you, how do you prepare for that? to either approach them to ask you to be a mentor or to them to be your mentor or to prepare for a meeting with them when they are your mentor? Well, there's not much in preparation, but there's one, because I just go there with my questions and, and open myself up, but, or, or maybe it'll change as I think about this, but because I, I, I didn't see that question coming, but there's another part of my life that, um, I, I think I should share. And, and that is a phone call to someone that you don't know or a getting a message to someone and saying, you know a lot more about exporting or I see that your company exports and Storm, I work at, I own Stormy Cromer and I don't know anything about it. Could I buy you lunch and learn from you? I've done something like that. I know 200 times in my career. Hmm. Mm. And I was, and, and, and it, it got so easy that um, Michigan had um, at one time about maybe six or eight years ago, we had a, a state Senator named Carl Levin and he was the oldest Senator in, in Washington. And I got to know his aide in the upper, you know, the representative that represents his office and, um, in the, in the Upper Peninsula. And please don't take this as a political endorsement or anything. It's just that this guy was really cool. And and I called Amy up and I said, Amy, it's January 7th. There are 360 days left in this year. I wanna have lunch with Senator Levin one-on-one and I will fly anywhere in this country to meet up with him. Hmm. If he's ever alone, I'd like to just I just like to be in that environment, but one-on-one, I don't want to be in a group and anything like that. And April, someday in April that year, I got a call. He's going to be in 
St. Ignace, Michigan, which is five hours from here. And I had a one-on-one -on -one lunch with this elegant man. It was kind and soft-spoken and I could just feel the Washington history. Um, so, and he, and he had lunch with me. I mean, I got to buy him dinner. So I've done that. I've done that a lot. 200 times. That's a lot of Perkins. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, like I, you know, I did this, you heard me at UMD and I, and I kind of had this conversation in, in my speech at, with the UMD folks. And um, I think I talked to seven, seven people after that. It's not difficult for me. And I, and I've, I've had really good success doing that. I've only been turned down after I did the Senator. I actually tried a vice pre presidential candidate, but I got turned on by him. So I, I have been turned down. <laughs> uh, well, we are going to do, we're going to do two episodes with this. So if you guys are listening and you're like, oh, I want to know more about this. There's going to be another <laughs> one coming out next week, but we're going to transition right now into the gawk portion. And then you guys really need to come back next week because we're going to keep going with this conversation. Okay. Did um, I take up too much time? <laughs> no, 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 no this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to, this, this section where, or this gawk portion, we were going to talk about a story that you had and then we're going to just talk a little bit about um, business terminology and your experience with that the first time you encountered something you didn't know. Did you so, wanna, yeah, you want to take that? So, yeah. you know, when you asked me about that, that's what that's one of my negatives. And my wife keeps telling me that you're too serious, Bob. And, you, you know, and I am very serious. I, I, I just stay focused on this work. And I've been told that I'm I'm one of the most intense business people that I, I remember somebody saying I'm one of the most intense business people I've ever met in a folksy kind of way. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't exactly know what it is, but that might describe who I am. So when you ask for a funny story, I don't have that many funny stories. <laughs> but, what, but when you said embarrassing, I, I, I could probably come up with some more. But I remember when I was, I think I was 20 and I was trying to make, I wanted to get a contract to make fish rod cases for a fishing rod company that was like 10 miles from here. And um, a lot of people would know St. Croix and this guy was an offshoot of St. Croix fishing rods and, but it was closer to here. And so we wanted to make cases for them. And I got an order and he called me on the phone and I can, oh, I can remember how I said it. And, and he said, uh, I said, I, I got an order for 150 fish rod cases and I had made them and designed them and modeled them. And, he, and then he said, would you like a PO number on that? And I said, what's a PO? And then he said, purchase order. And I go, oh, do I feel stupid? And, um, and honestly, uh, I mean, that's like my most, it seems like I'm betting that's one of my most embarrassing ones. And, and, it, and like I told you earlier that you see him 10, 10 years later and you wonder what, what, what did he think of me? And my business significantly grew. So maybe he was proud of me from going, not going to not know what PO stood for. He probably um, tells all his friends that, like, oh, you know, Bob? <laughs> like, I, yeah, one time he said. <laughs> yeah, I knew him before he knew him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that that's, like, something that a lot of new people in business don't learn. Or maybe they have a different name for it. Because that's totally something that when I first started, somebody said, oh, I need, I need some content written or something. And I was like, well, I can do that. That's pretty easy. So I just commented on it like, hey, like, let's talk about it. I can write that for you. And uh, this guy said to me, okay, well, send me your uh, SOW and then we'll get it figured out. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. And I hung up and I'm like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> 
to go look it up and figure Well, nowadays we have Google, so it's yeah, like you I can say, that's no fair. You had Google. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank yeah. you guys so much for, for joining us this week, Bob. It is so fun to get to talk with you, and I'm so excited to continue to pick your brain as we continue our series on how to be a good mentee. And uh, if you like this episode, then leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.